Today I am joined by my co-host Liam as we do a, another look at slicing up all of the players in the competition by their pricing and lines. Liam, how's it going? Pretty good. Keen to talk some uh, mid-prices. This has got my favourite players in it, so I'm super keen. Oh yes, and there is a lot of mid-price madness to be talking about. Um, so for this one, we're going to go through our mid-prices by line. So because of the cutoffs we did in the premium episode, forwards, we're talking about anyone between, I think, 900 grand and 450 in the official platform. Um, midfielders, it's anyone less uh, between a mil and 450 grand. And for our defenders, it's uh, 800 grand to 450 grand. So uh, that leaves us with plenty to talk about. And there's definitely going to be need, the need for some more rapid fires as there's just so many names. Um, but... Let's kick it off with the forwards. Liam, talk, talk, uh, talk to me about your faves. Talk to me about your faves. Well, I think by this point we should all know who's in here at number one, and that's Laura Gardner. But also in here I have Ella Roberts, Erin Phillips, and then a gaggle of second-year players in Cynthia Hamilton, Ghazali Goldsworthy, and Paige Scott, and then finally a weaker fave in Tess Craven. The main one I want to talk about is obviously Laura Gardner. I think you have to pick her because she's a freak. She scores whenever she's given midfield time on every line. She's a VFL double, VFLW absolute superstar. I have written about her at end, talked about her on end. And at this point, if you don't have her in there, I think you're doing it wrong. I don't think I'm being that controversial. For those who played last year, I believe she is this year's Abby Mackay. Goes in, mm. she has that 80, like, in her potential. So that's why I think you have to have her. The other one that I want to talk about is Ella Roberts, if only because I love her upside. Both at the back end of last year, her scoring improved. She scored an 85 against Melbourne in round 10 in what should have been a bloody impossible game to score in. It was windy as all hell down at Casey Fields, and mm. Melbourne with a second hardest team to score against for all fantasy sides last year. I think she has the extreme versatility to score basically at any point from anywhere. She's the skills of a midfielder. She's got great hands for taking marks both inside and outside 50. She's got the size and the body control to pinch it in the ruck. So basically has an avenue to score wherever, even if she's not getting pure CBAs. I think she's got at least 15 points of upside. She's in my side and kind of hasn't moved since about uh, day two the platform opened. So I think that's those are the two main ones that I really like in this mid-price bucket. I think that gaggle of second-year players, I don't necessarily love all of them right now, but they all had amazing roles in the practice match and have shown that ability to be 30 40% CBA midfielders and score 60 to 70 points. Cynthia Hamilton broke the game open for Sydney in their practice match. Zali Goldsworthy looked good when she had CPAs in the second half and kicked three goals. Paige Scott did the same thing in the practice match. And then I went down and watched the match sim and she did it again as well. So I haven't got own any of I haven't got them any of them in my side at the moment, but I will be watching them the first two weeks because they may, may become a must-own if the role sticks high CBAs. 
Mm. Yeah, everything you said, um, especially about, I mean, we've talked about Lauren Gardner enough, I won't mention her again, but everything you said about um, Ella Roberts, Will and I talked a lot about her in the West Coast episode, so totally agree, and if anyone wants to find out more uh, about that or actually kind of hear from her in the interview, go have a listen to our West Coast review. The the thing I find most interesting about your faves is Erin Phillips, and i got to say, I'm just super excited that Erin Phillips is someone that we're talking about as a favourite again, um, a fantasy favourite at least. Last season, she just got a little bit too expensive, um, so it didn't really make a lot of sense to be bringing her in with her move over to um, ooh, 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 Port Adelaide. Um, but now that she's kind of had a, a uh, yeah, I'm going to say that again, now that she's had a bit of a quieter back end of season seven, she's coming in at someone that you know has potential there, but they're a little bit underpriced and it just makes her a bit more affordable for this conversation. And she's one, I mean, if you can have her in your team and everyone loves watching the plays in their fantasy team, she's going to be amazing for that reason alone. But we also have this amazing situation with the official game where you've got enough money to put two elites and three mid-prices on your field in in your forward line if that's how you choose to play it. You don't necessarily need rookies. You don't need people that are just going to be there for cash gen. So because of that reason, uh, she's one of my faves too and she's in my side. Yeah, I think the other thing is the arrival of Ash Saint, formerly Ash Woodland, and also a fully fit Gemma Horton and also additional tools that they've brought in really mean that Aaron is not going to be relied upon nearly as much to be a full-time forward. And that was kind of her issue last year as she had to be so many things for Port Adelaide that weren't high-scoring roles. She didn't really kick that many goals at all and wasn't getting a great midfield role even when she was there. So I think the arrival of some key forward frees her up to be that same player that she was at Adelaide, maybe just six to 12 months older She's allowed to kind of drift a lot across half forward, move into the CBAs, have an impact, kick goals. And I think that the improvement of Port Adelaide will be an improvement for Erin. I think that she's got at least probably 10 points of upside if you consider that prior to last season, her career average was 76 points per game. She only scored 56 points last year on average. So a lot of potential upside there. I think pretty conservatively 10 points is comfortable in my mind. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So talk to me about your fades. Oh well, actually no one one player that I need to get to on my uh, fades because they were requested is Tess Craven. She's just a minor issue, which was she didn't play the practice match with concussion system symptoms, and we haven't heard anything to suggest she's going to come back in round one. I like her for what we talked about on the North Melbourne episode in the interview with Ash Riddell. Highly rates her kick, and they're considering pushing her to a half back role which I think for a player that's only priced at 550K-ish off the top of Mm. my head is really, really good, but probably one to wait a couple of weeks. She could be a fix-up trade if you're trying to find some cash as a potential downgrade in those first couple of weeks once you have that role confirmed and her health confirmed as well. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, In terms of fades, uh, I've got three here, and I tried to pick ones that are like relatively well owned or that have been requested the first one is bonnie too good i've also got danielle ponter and louise stevenson the main one to talk to because she's up above like 12 13 ownership is bonnie too good i'm pretty comfortable with the idea that that's going to be probably her best season scoring wise for fantasy because she doesn't have anyone really to compete with for points 
and Essendon is probably only going to improve with their forward craft and their forward roles as younger players come through. If you want to say that she's going to do the same again this year, that's great. But I still think you need to be looking for some upside and value. Bonnie Too Good is probably an upgrade target only, not a starting side player. Yeah, I was having a look at that list that you put together there and um, Bonnie Too Good is the one that I I was like, yeah, that's the most important fade to note. And I think we kind of mentioned this in our first episode, but she's highly owned and she's a name that people will know. So when you look at her 11% ownership, People might be picking her for the name, but if you have a look at season seven, um, big fluctuations there, and I'm not sure what would be changing going into this season necessarily. So she's kind of inconsistent. She's not going to be necessarily a price Jenner because there's not really anything different going on there. So she's she's risky, um, but she's she's quite highly owned. So I think that's one that we should probably see dropping off before the season starts. For sure, and I you know I love Bon. Great captain, Bombers fan through and through, but I don't look at her as a fantasy option. I look at her as a great player. The other two players on there, I think Danielle Ponta, just like don't don't do it. Like I talked about her being an option last year. I had her in a draft side. Her scoring is so inconsistent, no matter whether or not it's CBAs, no CBAs, forward, midfield. Like you can't predict week to week what she's going to do. I think maybe long-term, if she does become a midfielder, if Adelaide ever really looked to inject a pure speed and dynamic midfielder in the role of Erin Phillips, I think she's an option, but I don't know if that's going to be this year. So avoid the pain. You know, the likelihood you get burnt is very low. And then Louise Stevenson, I think, I, I you know, she's been talked about in some circles and has been requested. I just don't know if I see the midfield role for her this year, which we saw last year to make her value. I think the, the arrival of Emily Bates and the emergence of, Jazz Fleming is a really good young player alongside other midfielders they had last year in Eileen Gilroy and Tamara Smith mean that I don't see Lou getting that much midfield time, which again, just really limits that upside. Yeah, maybe she'll play as a defender and that'll be great, but she played a VFLW season this year, a few games as a forward. So wouldn't be looking at her as an option to start with. Again, you can get burnt, but I don't think she's going to be a problem. Yeah, Lou Stevenson's an interesting one. She was in my side and she's kind of fallen out of it now. I mean, in uh, the Best 21 review put up on the AFLW website by um, Gemma, she has kind of mentioned that she could be running through the midfield, but I think we were kind of surprised to see that in the practice games ahead of last season, and that was great, but I wouldn't say it's a definite for sure, so um, makes sense on, on the fade there. Oh, now that I've gone to check something, I've lost my notes. Where are we? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and your Forgottens. My Forgottens. So these are ones that are all very lowly owned, below 2% at time of recording that I think could present mm. some value. The They are Eloise Jones, the forward kind of uh, winger from uh, Adelaide. You've got Celine Moody at the Western Bulldogs and you've got Michaela Hyde at Fremantle. I mentioned uh, Eloise Jones because she averaged 58 in season six. And she's priced at only 41. Now, I think that there's every reason to believe she could transition back to that high-scoring role. No guarantees. It's probably just one to watch. But I think an extra benefit is that the dropping out of Sarah Allen may mean that Adelaide look to put more experienced players behind the ball. Mm. And she spent a lot of time coming off halfback in that really high-scoring season six. So... Don't be surprised if she comes out week one and two and scores really well. I think that that's a distinct possibility. So watch that one for sure. Michaela Hyde, I've mentioned because 
it's been thrown around there that in both match sim and practice match, she was taking kick-ins and she's playing off halfback now. And I think she's only priced at about 480k. So super cheap. My question on her is, it looks like she's swapping with Angelique Stannett for the fullback role. So yeah, that does mean kick-ins, but does it mean, I mean, Angelique Stannett wasn't someone that was super fantasy relevant when she had that position. Does that make her any more fantasy relevant or is it just the interesting crossover of those guys with the forward defender listings? I think it's mainly the fact that kick-ins are an avenue to guaranteed points. And I don't think that there's anyone in that defensive line at Fremantle that really does take a lot of the ball back there to kind of dominate it. You kind of saw a lot of people averaging in 40s and 50s. Mm. Varia, Seth, O'Driscoll, all really in that range. I think, again, these are forgotten ones. These are not slam dunks. I think they should be more highly owned because they, I think I see at least some value there to the tune of 10 points. She's going to be priced at only like 30, even less. Do you mean Pew? Lauren Pew instead, instead of, Seth. of Seth. Yes, that's who I meant. Pip Seth was 30s, I think. By the by, I think that she's a worthy option. Then for Celine Moody, and I'm going to say this, I'm not going to go into detail. You can go listen to last year about me talk about Celine Moody and the ups and downs. This is only if Alice Edmonds doesn't play mm. and she plays in the ruck. Otherwise, do not own her. You'll just be frustrated. She's a great footballer. She's not going to score enough to pick her. If she's a ruck, she can average like 70 and 100% you need to have her. But Alice Edmonds playing, can't do it. It's amazing how much our tune on Celine Moody has gone from like, woo, 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 last season. And now it's like, oh, yeah, if this, if this, maybe that, then she could be forgotten. Ah, <laughs> uh, time. Pain. Mm. Um, another one I saw, well, I didn't see on your forgotten list that I thought was kind of interesting. Just wanted to chuck it in there. Um, is interviewee Jack DePai, um, 1.8% owned. I think that meets your criteria for this one. Um, she's coming into her third season. She saw massive improvement in season seven. She's now the vice captain, so big things coming from her. Uh, I think that's an interesting one. I think it's interesting. I, I'm not sure she scores enough points to be more value than anyone else. I think it would need to be like a forward slash ruck role for me to mm. be truly like enthused by the idea of Jack Dupai. She was a good one last year, though. She did actually make some decent value last year, in particularly yeah. in MM. That's pretty important. Yeah. Well, that's it for the forwards. Those are, those are like I have thoughts on about a million other players, but those are the ones that I really wanted to talk about. Let me just check the run sheet. Oh, look at that. It's Mel next with midfielders. Another really small segment. <laughs> oh, yes. We moved Ruckstar after the midfielders, so it wouldn't be a, a Liam show for the first 20 minutes straight. So, but now I get my <laughs> my... Time to lecture. Um, so midfielders, yeah, I mean, this is – the mid price is, is always going to be a tricky episode here. Um, for my faves, I've got a couple of names down. So Benici, um, I reckon she's undervalued because – well, sorry, I know we know that she's undervalued, but I reckon she's actually not that highly owned and might not be that many people's faves just because she's priced at zero. So it means that when you're filtering on the app, she doesn't kind of see – it's not a name that you can see super easily. So that's obviously a fave and – We've spoken about her at length. Um, Bella Dawes is making a comeback, <laughs> which is a, an absolute full circle from where we were pre-season. We've, uh, the Bell Dawes roller coaster is really the, uh, the key takeaway of the free kick pre-season. Season. Hey now, she is definitely an option, guaranteed option pretty much from Marrera's Magic, and she may, may what make her way into my side for uh, AWF as well. 
And, well, yeah, do you want to just talk about it now? Because like, oh, yeah. I can so, see that you're bursting. <laughs> I, I literally am bursting. Like, okay, also, you massively undersold Britt Benici. In your notes, she's like average in the 60s. Like, she's averaged like four seasons in a row in the 80s. Like, she. Yeah, but we've also spoken about side. her so much that I don't think we need to go back into depth as why she's a fave. Yeah, okay. Undersell her all you like. 8% ownership is beautiful for me. It means she's almost a pod. For Bell Doors, <laughs> at 3% owned. She looks like the midfielder that will replace Emily Bates. Emily Bates, across the last two seasons, was the highest market share of points scored for that Brisbane midfield. Bell Dawes has basically been training increasingly in the midfield. She played as the fourth CBA midfielder last year, but then spent a lot of other time just coming off the half-forward line. I think we saw in the practice match, loves to tackle, is still a great runner gets from contest to contest and was in and under and involved in the kick mark play coming out of the back line. I think that that average of 62 is probably bumped up by at least 10 points this year, pretty comfortably, if only because she's going to spend more time at contest getting tackles. And she really was around the ball a lot in the practice match. I think Bell Dawes is a great pick. At the moment, I haven't got her in because I just have so much cash to spend because I'm going rookie rucks, which is a discussion for later. But Bell Doors, if I ever look to try and find some cash, is someone that I bring in almost as a as a rule because she is serious value. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch a lot of the Pracky games. I've just been doing some reading since then, but I'm pretty sure I can't remember what I was reading, but I saw the exact sentence that she's taking Batesy's spot, and I was like, "Yep, great. That's uh, that's what we wanted to see. That's where the question mark was." So she's back, and I can't remember where I left it because I've changed my team a thousand times today, but she, she might very well be in there right now. Um, and the other one here on the faves list is O'Sullivan. So she's probably um, undervalued. She's only priced at about 40, um, but we've heard good things from the practice game, playing on the ball, coming back with energy, pretty much everything that you want to be able to see there. Um, so, yeah, she's... Uh, She's up there in this price bucket. I think the only query I have on Gabby is there was mention of her kind of having that hybrid half-forward role. I loved what she did in season six when she was F1, but she did a lot of her best scoring with um, Bowers out of the side because they are similar players. Gabby O'Sullivan is a burst tackle or run through the stoppage type of player, isn't so much on the outside. I think even if she does have a great game, she might not get back up to that 70s, in the mid-70s, I think, average that she had for season six versus kind of other players that we predict to go back. Let's say it's Britt Benici back up to her 80s or that ilk of player. So that's my only flag there. I still think it's a worthwhile play, particularly particularly for Marrera's Magic. I think she's an upside play massively. What, is she listed as a forward? Uh, yes, also, yeah, she's listed as a forward in Marrera's Magic, so that's a pretty much a slam dunk. Yeah. I'd even say, though, like you said, oh, she might not get back up to that average of 70s. She's priced at 40. Like, there's so much room for upside here. Yeah. Um, if she doesn't get back up to that average of 70s, oh, shame, we didn't make 30-plus points. But uh, I definitely, I mean, she's so cheap compared to, this is a very big bucket for the midfielders yeah, here that true. we've given ourselves. Um, she's definitely down that lower end, but she's one that sits at that lower end that I think should should have been higher. So, you know, um, she's up there. One one final one that I've actually just realised should have been in here, but that's only because it's MM only, and that's Tiana Smith. She is a mid-pricer in Marrera's Magic. So she's priced at mm. 48, which is 
ridiculously low when she averaged 70, mid-70s in her only season and was second in the league for tackles. I'm sure you'll hear us talk about her more in the Rookies episode if you're really interested. Yeah, or you can read I mean, you think I've that's ridiculous. <laughs> but, like, just know that if you're playing Marrera's Magic, she is a mid-priced option 110%. And I mean, yeah, she's an outstanding, she's a fave in the mid-prices when you're playing Marrow's Magic. She's an absolute fave and a must-have in the official game. So we'll be talking a lot about her when we get to the rookie section, given she's priced at 300 grand, <laughs> which is just crazy. Yeah, um, it's outrageous. So looking at my fades, this one was a bit tricky because there's a couple of names in here that just have to be mentioned. Um, Webster, um, Beck Webster coming off injured. Um, so she's one that you might have heard around she was a really big name in fantasy in season six but probably fading going to season eight here um montana ham huge name from last season also uh i can't exactly remember what her injury was but she's not playing this season foot stress stress response in her foot i think or back that's right Something so not good this is one that you might uh people might hear the name know the name uh chuck her in their team probably not don't want to be doing that, um, <laughs> given she won't really be playing. Bree Davy, so she was Bree Davies, one of the two underpriced Collingwood midfielders, but because um, of some news that we've come out in the last couple of weeks, um, limited preseason stuff like that, she is probably still value, but not as exciting. Like we are not as excited about her as we were. Actually, I guess that's the definition of the fade. She is fading of. Fading in my mind. She she is fading in excitement, and and like yeah. I think it's more not only the injury, but there's talk of her spending some time resting forward to kind of ease her back in because she's not come back from her preseason or not come through her preseason as they would have liked. So it might be that she has to build to full midfield time. She's still very cheap, but I just don't like. I've only got five midfield spots, and I want to be fielding Ty Smith because she's such ridiculous value, as is yep. Georgia Nanscorn, and I just think she gets squeezed at the moment. Yeah. I've chucked in Eileen Gilroy um, from the Hawks here because she's listed as a mid because she spent a lot of time in the midfield last season. But um, from what I've been reading, she's more likely to be playing in defence. So this is the opposite combination <laughs> that you want, uh, a midfielder that's not playing in the midfield. But she was a big name in fantasy last season, so fading on her. But the main one I want to talk about here, we have dedicated such a large portion of this podcast <laughs> over the two seasons to Ellie Hampson. But you know what? There's always more room for Ellie Hampson. Um, she's a fade. Um, I put her down as fade, and I don't I have no idea where you're going to go with this, is um, because there's quite a lot of names in this Brisbane midfield that are probably going to get some airtime. We've already spoken about doors. Conway is one that I was really keen on when we were talking about biggest changes after trades and whatnot. Um, so Sophie Conway, I reckon Dawes and Sophie Conway are going to be taking a chunk of that time with Ellie Hampson as a fourth, fifth option for running through there. Um, I just, the reason I'm particularly fading this is just because we've spoken her up so much. I would say as well, she looks like she's still coming back from injury. I don't think she played yeah. in a practice match and, we did interview her and she talked about the fact she had some pretty substantial knee surgery in the off-season. So mm. I'm sitting here as a bit of a sicko and go, Ellie, take the whole season. Come back in next year underpriced. underpriced. <laughs> we know you're a gun. 
bang, in the side, we get to talk another season of Ellie Hampson in the preseason. We can then talk about her all season nine preseason, which is our favourite thing to do. Oh, the final one that I want to mention is Georgia Patrikios. She didn't play the practice match, but also I just don't, I just don't see the upside as well. Like, I don't think she tackles nearly enough to have really big ceiling scores. And Nick Del Santo is, I'm going to call her, call him the worst fantasy coach because he does not stick with consistent roles in the midfield. They are so unbelievably inconsistent with their game style as well. Some weeks it's high possession, other weeks it's high movement. They looked horrendous against Port Adelaide, got absolutely pants in the practice match. I just don't see it for her versus like Ty Smith, I think can score when the team is bad because she tackles so much. Patrikios is an endurance runner and a high possession player, but she was down seven possessions per game on her All-Australian season and that was still the highest possession since it killed her, which suggests it's a game-style problem. So I wouldn't be bringing in Patrikios this year. Hopes and kill the suck, bring in a new coach, and then we pick her up next year. I like it. We're already planning for season nine. This is great. Um, oh, I'm constantly planning ahead. <laughs> you don't say. On my forgotten list, I've only got two names here. One of them I feel a bit more excited about than the other. So I've got um, Lambert down as my first one. We did just speak about some of the uncertainties around St Kilda. Um, I've got Choppy down because she wasn't at her full fantasy potential in Season 7, but because of her – oh, sorry. She wasn't at her full fantasy potential in Season 7. I wasn't watching the Pracky game, but we did read the notes that we had both Patrikos and Rosie Dillon out, which makes me curious as to what on earth is happening at the St. Kilda midfield. Um, so it's a little bit hard to know how that dynamic is going to work, but she's someone that Will absolutely loves and goes on about all the time. She's currently only 1% owned. Exciting potential there. The one I'm particularly excited about is, um, oh, I've forgotten her first name. Keely. If, it's, Keely. if, if in doubt, if in doubt, it's a Keely. Or a brook that's like half of the AFLW. <laughs> I was like, I know it sounds like Keely, but I also mispronounce names all the time. So I was like, it's probably not Keely. Keely Shearer. Um, I think she's quite exciting. She's only uh, 2% owned at the moment. She's coming into her third season. She seems to be listed as a key part of Carlton's midfield up there with Big names from season six and seven. Mimi Hill, who was a breakout in season six. Abby Mackay, who's a breakout in season seven. The fact that their names are getting grouped together makes me excited. Um, we spoke quite a bit about her last season and she was, I think she sat on my utility for quite a few weeks in a row. Um, but if this is going to be her third breakout season and she's both lowly, uh, so she's got a low average, lowly owned and reasonably priced, she could be a good one. Yeah, for sure. And I, because I happen to live around the corner from Icon Park, I went and watched not only the Carlton practice match on the live stream, but I went and watched their match sim against Melbourne. And she was a full-time CBA midfielder. What I find particularly funny, though, is we interviewed Bree Moody and asked, you know, Mimi Hill, Mm -hmm. breakout season six. Abby Mackay, breakout season seven. Which CBA midfielder is it going to be in season eight? And she's like, oh, I don't know who it's going to be. Like, could be anyone. And then she named as a player most likely to improve as Keely Skepper. So, <laughs> not the right Keely for us <laughs> in this instance, which I find very funny. But yes, Shearer looked like a full time CBA midfielder. 
I just don't know. Like, Abby Mackay is such a good tackler, and Mimi Hill has extremely fast hands and has a good kick. I don't know if she has the same Abby Mackay levels of upside, and I don't like the fact that she's a midfielder versus Mackay, who is a forward, and Mimi Hill, who is rookie-priced. But I think it's reasonable to expect some improvement if she's full-time CBAs. And just because we've got so many people to be talking about, a bit of rapid fire, I've got some names down. I want to hear a... uh... What do we want to go? Maybe we'll just do yes or no. Yes or no for your starting squad. Eliza West. No. Ruby Slicer. No. Abby Darick. Yes, times a million. Ooh, juicy. Um, Lily Mithen. No. Karen Peterson. Maybe. Yeah, that's an interesting. I was on maybe on her too. Um, And I think this is Nell Morris Dalton. No, Chloe Dalton. Chloe Dalton. Okay, that makes more sense. Yes, Chloe Dalton. I, I throw just I just threw Dalton at the end of the list, and Dalton <laughs> is a maybe. Okay, um, this you got to talk to me about the absolute yes in Garrick, please. I think she is potential to be slim as it may be. Georgie Petrakis, Petrakis, Charlie wrote bottom levels of breakout here. Mm. She looked dominant in the practice match and had games. She has the 135-point ceiling that killed my season last year and was just great <laughs> for everyone else because it gave them the cash to buy Kiara Bowers. And, like, yeah, we don't need to rehash that for the 15th time. I just think that she does all of the things you want in an AFLW fantasy midfielder. She tackled a lot. She was in and under. She has a booming kick. And I think... It's also derived from the fact that there was a photo of her going around during the practice match where she's being tried to try to get tackled by Erin McKinnon. And there's just something about her that is so Kiara Bowers <laughs> about it all. And I just can't get this idea out of my head that there's the potential she goes ridiculous, like into the 80s. Follow-up question. Uh, on the Port episode, she wasn't mentioned in either the Fantasy Five or your special because I think Will was the analyst for that one. Has something changed, or you've just been mulling on this one and it's come? To I've just now? been, I've just been mulling on it, and then I watched the game, and I just like, ah, oh, she could probably do it. She was really mm. fucking good. <laughs> nice. Okay, that's exciting. She, she, I don't know if I have the guts to put her in my side because I really like how my side looks at the moment, and it would be replacing like Brit Benici. Mm. But oh, it's tempting. It's real tempting. That would be a great point of difference because she's currently only 2% owned. So, anyway, juicy, juicy, juicy. So, rucks um, should be a bit quicker here. <laughs> yeah, oh, from juicy to dry. That's <laughs> how we keep everyone entertained. I don't know if I like any of them. <laughs> I think that I'm being asked to give faves. I have none. I have some second-tier slim faves. Uh, I liked the ceiling that we saw from Lucy Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually like that for both Wales sisters. I think that we know that they will be good. I just don't think they're going to be good enough this year, both coming in as 19 or only 20-year-olds. The other one that I like because she's well underpriced just by virtue of the fact that she missed a season is Leah Cutting. Yep. But again, she's a second-tier fave because I don't know if Essendon showed enough in the preseason to say, yep, guaranteed role, probably splitting ruck time 50-50 with Steph Wales. But she scored 50 mid-50s when she was a full-time ruck and she's now priced in 30s or high 30s. So 
possibilities are there. But I don't know if there's much to discuss because I just don't like them at all, really. Mm. And this is your fades are probably more interesting. Yeah, the fades are all because there's just either been multiple players arrive or another player who will take ruck time. So I think, funnily enough, both of last year's Port Adelaide rucks and Liz McGrath and Liv Levicki with McGrath now at North are fades because Liz McGrath joins a team that is filled with giants and might only be a player that rucks if, say, for example, Kim Rennie is out. I just didn't see enough from her in the preseason and I went and watched the match sim as well and she was only rucking in the second half. Liv Levicki, the arrival of Matilda Schultz, as a highly rated player, as someone who would sounds like would have gone very highly in the draft if she had been born like a month earlier <laughs> and Port Adelaide didn't get their special dispensation to pick her, I would be fading her massively. And then Sarah Lakai and Liv Fuller have both had players who will ruck probably 50-50 with them at least. Um, I can't remember which Wackfer it is, which Wackfer's the ruck and which Wackfer's the defender because it's Lauren and... I think it's Lauren Wackfer's the ruck. Lauren Wackfer's the ruck, yeah. I knew I, I was hoping I had the right name in my head, who was coming off an ACL injury, was the highest rated ruck in WA in the draft in 2022 and was rucking a bunch in the practice match. And then Liv Fuller had um, a whore arrive in the supplemental draft and Liv Fuller wasn't even selected for the practice match until very, very late and there was injury and she came in because Erin Hall was there the entire time and it sounds like she rucked most of it anyway. Yeah, I find the Lokai whack for one particularly interesting. For anyone that's listened to the West Coast app, which came out, uh, I don't know, not that long ago <laughs> considering it's last in the – or second last in the letters. Um, uh, one of my big things was uh, is Wakfa going to come back and take spots away from Lokai, who was someone that this time last year we put on our Season 8 watch – um, unfortunately, like this does confirm both of them fades because they're going to be sharing the role and we really like to see that, uh, that ruck role go to one person in particular. Um, so yeah, there's a bit more on those guys in the West Coast episode. Uh, and you're forgotten is someone that's quite interesting that actually changes our, we, we've been so excited that we might actually finally get to go for a elite, um, primo ruck because we've got the money and then that dream has just slowly been fading. Destroyed. Shattered. So the fade is the primo ruck. <laughs> the fade, well, the fade is like the ultra primo. Like the yeah, fade is like going Bree Moody, guaranteed walk-up score in the 70s. You'll never have to trade her. And even the player you might want below that in Alice Edmonds has not played in the preseason. Now, we've been confirmed apparently she'll play, but I don't like that she missed the preseason game. So my forgotten one, though, is Jess Good at Carlton, who's 1.5% owned. She's priced only in the 40s. Now, she spent a majority of both the match sim that I saw and then the practice match as the dedicated ruck with Bree Moody spending maybe about 30% of her time in the ruck and the rest down forward. She's shown the ability to score before well enough in the ruck. I think she had a few games at about 40% of ruck contests a couple of times last season and then Bree Moody just scored well because she can kick goals. I think Jess Good might be able to score in the mid-50s is my only thing, particularly if it's a guarantee that Bree Moody spends a lot of time down forward. Now, do I think that the Bree Moody forward experiment lasts a long time? No. I think it would be a mistake to take a multiple All-Australian and go, yeah, key forward areas. Yeah, good, good. Mm. I think this just screams new coach looking for some consistency 
and mm. looking for players who can take marks, I just don't offer it last. So even my forgotten one is just tinged with, eh, eh, I don't like it. I would really be happy for her to have Jess Good as someone that we speak about in rotation because the number of times I say, yeah, good, how good. Yes. It's just, it's such a good one. It's going to be puns for days. So I'm quite excited she's in there for that reason alone. <laughs> if, if she would be great if there was like a functioning draft platform, because I think Jess Good is someone that you could probably have as your ruck stash on a bench and mm. then sub in if you have an injury, because I think she can score well enough. She might be a play at a stretch in Marrera's Magic where you're looking for value, but I still think if you're doing that, you may as well just go the rookies because we've got about five to pick from again. Yeah, I just don't like this bracket for rucks. Mm. Well, let's move on to something that is far more exciting than defenders. Um, I've just introduced myself because <laughs> I will be talking about the defenders. <laughs> um, so 800, so a little bit lower because we had to bump this one down just so that we had more premiums to talk about and not just As opposed to uh, just Emma <laughs> Um, so that's made this quite interesting. I've got a couple of names here. Um, Tani Evans, uh, Brooke Brown, Daisy Darcy, and Angelique Stunnett all in my faves. The one I do want to, I'll just skim the others real quickly. Um, Brooke Brown, best defender at Essendon. Liam seems to be massive fan. Um, priced at 704, so quite reasonable. So, uh, going to be taking the points from Essendon in the back line, which is great. Uh, Daisy Darcy, high draft pick. We've spoken quite a lot about her in our other episodes, but aiming to have a really good improving season. Angelique Stanett, um, we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier with the Michaela Hyde comments, but with Michaela Hyde going into uh, Stanett's previous fullback position, she's planning to move a bit more to the half-forward role. So I'm not necessarily sure what that will mean for scoring, but I'm assuming it's going to be good. Um, and... Tani Evans is my main one here. She's currently in my team. Her fantasy scoring potential for season eight is driven by role change. So she, we spoke quite a bit about her in the GWS episode as the top five fantasy relevant players. So there's a lot more you can go listen to there. Um, but essentially she's only priced at 53, but when she moved uh, into more of that halfback role at the back end of last season or mid last season, we saw her scoring go up. Um, it sounds like from what we've been able to read and see in the Pracky game write-ups that that's the role she's going to be playing in season eight, which means great fantasy potential for us there. Yeah. I think the main thing is she saw about 10 points of ups. So she went from scoring in the forties before round five and after round five, she scored at 60 and a half. 61 was basically her average. And I don't think that another preseason training for this role will do her any harm. And I don't think GWS have any real distributors off that halfback. She's probably their best kick in the squad. She's extremely fast, constantly runs past players for cheap hand passes and kicks. They look to find her coming out of the back line. I think she's great. I think I saw someone hand counting stats and stopped counting when she got to about 65, 70 points, like she took, she ran at one point from like 30 meters away from the goal square back to take a kick in. Like these are levels, and I don't know, Mel, if you've heard this before, but it's observable thirst for the football. Tani Evans has observable thirst. She wants the ball. GWS want to have her the ball. I don't know if she's left my team in either format at any point this preseason. Yeah, she's one that went in there pretty early for me. Um, you've got a favour I haven't mentioned 
or at least a, a player that we've been asked to talk about. Yeah, she's been asked to talk about, and I reckon you can call her a fave. She's one where if I go a strategy with fewer uh, fewer rookies on field, she can fit in at D4 for me, and that's Nicole Bresnahan. If only because back end of last season in the finals, she had a few games. I think she went like 70, 35, 90, 90, 60. And she's only priced in at like 47. Now, there are very few players, very few defenders at all, who have a ceiling that has 90s in it. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can name more than about two. <laughs> like, it's Emma Carney who can do it. Mm. And Katie Lynch. Yeah, wow. And Carney is our primo, and uh, Lynch is our fade because she'll primo. be. Well, <laughs> so... <laughs> if 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 the Western Bulldogs department would like me to be there, find another kickback consultant so that Katie Lynch can become a superstar fantasy player. By all means, hit me up. I'll make sure my email is well known. But I do like the idea that Bresnahan is another calm head off that back. I think I see a world where Brooke Brown gun in my side and her 50 points per game and her kick-ins are spread across that back right at North Melbourne. You know, I've already talked about Tess Craven. We talked about Emma Carney. I think Nicole Bresnahan is someone that could also benefit. She also laid a bunch of tackles in a couple of those games. I think it was up to six or seven. So I really like her potential. I don't know if it's a slam dunk pick. It's not like a stamp my, you know, this is Liam's favorite player stamp on it. But I think it's there are many worse players to pick from. Makes sense to me. I like it. Well, actually, here's a player that was a favourite when we started, and I reckon we've got some new thoughts on it. She was a fave and is kind of in the midst of falling out of favour, and that's Gab Pound. Yeah, so I was actually going to talk about her as a potentially forgotten player. Um, she didn't really give her best fantasy score in Season 7. Um, Nor was she allowed to give her best fantasy score. They played her as a small forward. They decided Darcy Vessio was a halfback for yes. reasons. Yeah. So um, when she was playing her fullback role and getting all of the kick-in points in season six, she had a much better fantasy score, closer to 70. I think her average at the moment, uh, she's coming in at about 48. So there is a chunk of upside there if she can get into that fullback role. Um, did you see anything in the Cracky game? No, because she didn't play, and that's ah. the big concern. <laughs> and that's so. The other thing that in happened in season seven is, I think, at least two rounds, she just took time away for personal reasons. And us saying, "Well, we can't pick her now," is not us saying that you shouldn't be going ahead and doing that. But it does make it difficult to own a player that might, at whatever week, step away for a week for personal reasons because it's a must trade pretty much in fantasy in a ten week season. So. I think the fact that we didn't see her play either of the maxim or the practice match, uh, it's concerning to the point where I don't think you can start with her this year. Hmm. So that so those 4% of people at time of recording who have them in their sides, I would be reconsidering at this stage. What if she's named on Thursday? Does that change it for you? Not enough. No? Because you no, still think you're going to have to trade her out at short notice? I would be concerned. Now, if we hear reports and her role is that good, then by all means I can trade her in. She's only priced at 47, so she can't burn me that hard. That's true. That's true. Mm. And the likelihood that the number of mid-prices I'm currently rolling through 
it's, 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 you know, I'm probably going to fail at one. There's going to be the ability to trade down to a gab pound if she comes out and is half back and it all is well in the world again. And my prediction from the Carlton episode comes, comes back. But at the moment, I don't think you can stand by that confidently. Mm. Okay. So pound went from my list as a forgotten to up to the fades, but I've got two other fades that I also wanted to talk through. Um, just quickly, we've got Molly Eastman here, um, a big name from season seven. Um, but if you actually look at her trajectory of her scoring over season seven, which was her first season, the the line really speaks for itself. She had a great start to the game and then just kind of lower scores as she went. Um, the reason why I think that's probably more likely to continue is that that was an expansion club where she had plenty of room to run around and kind of uh, get as much possession of the ball as she wanted, where now that she's moving into Richmond with a very experienced midfield and some amazing names there, she, uh, I I can't see that fantasy scoring going back up. So while we know that she has this, um, <laughs> while we know that she's got this uh, good potential, I don't think this is her season. Agreed. Um, the other one, the other one I've got down here is uh, Jacobson, whose first name is Bianca. B- Bianca. Yep. Uh, why do I do this to myself? Um, I've got this one down here because I was reading the Pracky game report. She ended it with icing her knee, running into a post. Uh, that sounds pretty painful to me. And that sounds like, although it's not an actual injury, that's kind of sort of train on for the next little while. And I actually, my other reason is that I think that Alice Burke, who's actually someone I had in my team in season six and regretted so deeply. She did nothing. She did absolutely nothing. I couldn't trade her out because she made no money and there was no one else that was as cheap as her uh, that I couldn't even sideways. So that was like up there with my worst ever fantasy decisions. But, (laughs) and I don't like going back to Blazer to burnt me, but I actually think Alice Burke could be the go instead. Uh, (laughs) Here because she's only priced at 38, so she's 528, but she's probably going to be named. She's been working in the back line um, or off halfback even. Sounds like she's got a lot of energy and stuff behind her. Can't be as bad as she was two seasons ago. What do you reckon? I don't hate it. Uh, I also would have said that sneakily uh, B. Jacobson should have been in the Forgotten's list because without the injury because I think St Kilda are going to suck. And I think the ball is going to spend a lot of time in defense. And she's the kicking taker more so than you would expect it to be Hannah Priest, the captain, yeah. halfback to be the one doing it. But I think B. Jacobson, she looked good in the practice match up until it went out. Like she was someone that I didn't like more than Book Brown, but they're in a similar class in that like low to mid 50s. Mm-hmm. So I can't hate on Burke either because I just think yeah, the ball's going to be there a load. Mm, and Burke is well cheap. Very, very cheap. Yeah. Probably, probably someone that if you were going to go a have a Harriet Cordner at D6, maybe that's the kind of price that you're throwing at uh, D5. Yeah. On my forgotten, I've got a name here. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's an insightful sentence. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> no, this is staying in. Ah. On my forgotten list, I've got a name. Yep, great. <laughs> and that name is Ella Heads. <laughs> um, Ella Heads currently 3% owned. So she is priced at 40, but we heard from our Sydney interviewees both, I'm pretty sure she was mentioned by both Lawrence Getty and Chloe Malloy as someone that's going to have a ripper season eight. With McAvoy, who is someone that we've been asked to talk about as well, I guess, but with McAvoy, hopefully 
cementing yourself down back, it leaves a little bit more room for Ella Heads to be running closer to the midfield and getting some extra points there. Um, only priced at 40, so that's kind of a twofold way that she could be boosting that scoring. And I know you're keen on her, Liam. Yeah, I'm super keen on her. I watched that practice match and she was electric from a fantasy perspective because it was like junk marks. It was like Gab Pound season six levels of just like, Ooh. yeah, I'm going to just get like short little 45s here or there. She's taking some kick-ins. I think it's more, and like Lucy McAvoy would have been on my faves list if we'd done this before the practice matches. I thought Lucy McAvoy was going to probably be D3 for me, walk up, but she played almost entirely as a key defender, mm. which was very surprising given that Chloe Malloy had suggested she would be a mid-forward, much like Chloe was going to be. Yeah. I think it's more the fact that Lucy McAvoy being down there means that it, it's another key defensive role that Elliot Heads doesn't have to play and allows her to be the, you know, little pig, the little seagull running around mm. and getting all these cheap kicks. Again, someone was hand-counting stats and stopped counting it over 80 points. So she was very, very good and is very cheap. And I'm glad that she's only owned at three percent. Mm. Given I've given I've unintentionally slash intentionally boosted Laura Gardner from two and a half to four in the past four days. I'm surprised that McAvoy was maybe going to be on your faves list. Like she's one to me that just the role inconsistency and ability to play everywhere and stuff just aggravates me and um, doesn't make me enjoy having her as a player. I mean, she's got some huge highs. She's got some huge lows. Like. <laughs> I don't know. You you you're far too burnt by Lucy McAvoy yeah, if I'm also. being perfectly honest. I yeah. just I just thought that like a, a mid forward uh coming as an experienced player would be afforded the opportunity to cement a role that meant she was upside from 50. Mm. And I thought that if she was going to play off halfback, she'd be a kind of quarterback, like more experienced player, but she was full on lockdown. I think at one point playing on Bree Moody, so not wow. not good fantasy role. Great for Ella Heads, who was junking it up. Love it. Mm. Um, this is not going to be fantasy relevant or helpful at all, but I just want to let the record show that as much as uh, McAvoy disappoints me and I won't pick her again, I absolutely adore Gab Pound and I'm super annoyed that she might not be uh, the most fantasy relevant because she is one of my favourite players. So there you go. Put her in your side because Mel likes her. Yep. So <laughs> after analysis. that insightful uh, bit there, Let's go on to the rapid fire. Um, I've got some more names for you. Yes, no, maybes for starting side. Um, first one, uh, interesting because we've kind of already spoken about them, but Priest. Yes. Hannah Priest. Yep. Um, Ange Foley. Maybe. Interesting. Uh, why do I not write the first Chantel. names here? Chantel. Chantel. No, I got it. Chantel Emmonson. I just have to think about it. No. That. Sarah Verrier. No. I definitely agree with that one. Yasmin Dersma? Also no. Yes, I think that's a very obvious no. Um, O'Driscoll? Maybe. I really liked what she did last season. Would you like to elaborate? Oh, she just showed herself to be the best scorer in that Fremantle backline, and I think any team coming in with a new coach probably is not going to be great to start off the year, and you might want to pick some backline players. So I don't think it's a bad option. Hmm. And Evie Gooch? 
Evie Gooch is a play in my mind for Marrera's Magic only. She's basically an overpriced rookie, but she's an experienced player and will play the same role week to week. So if you're looking for upside, I think you could do a lot worse options for basically if you wanted to go oversized bench or D5. Not for not for classic, uh, not for like AFL the official game. I just think that there are too many other options. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, um, we got through so many names, and that was amazing. Um, Short episode too. Just a oh, quick yeah. fifty-three <laughs> just a quick minutes one. of recording at time at right now. I reckon I spent about three hours early today doing all of this research stuff. Just absolutely going down rabbit, rabbit warrens, having so much fun. Rabbit warrens. Um, rabbit warrens. Um, yeah, good. So. Look, we spoke about a lot of names. There's a lot that we just mentioned and moved on because otherwise Liam and I could very happily be here for like five hours doing this episode, but I'm putting the time pressure on. So let us know if there's any players that we didn't talk about um, in enough detail or didn't even mention that you would like to hear more about. Um, uh, Probably Twitter's the best place to reach out and ask those questions. We will be doing the uh, same setup, but for the rookies, which will probably be quite a quick one, um, next. And then we will yes. be, oh, we as we get closer and closer to the game starting, we're going to make our free kick fantasy team together in a bit of a draft format. So that's going to be very fun. That might come out with the rookie episode. So stay tuned for that, hopefully next. And another thing to mention is the current plan is to do a Twitter live space on Thursday after teams are released. Ooh, As a bit of Thursday a Q&A. Teams. And, yeah, love Thursday teams. I don't think we've really reacted to that enough on the podcast <laughs> itself. But that Thursday just teams. makes Thursday teams. the weekend Sorry. so much easier. <laughs> and yeah. it, it, trades are a million times better. But plans to do a space Q&A kind of rapid fire, go through all the teams because that first Thursday teams is the most important of the year. And uh, we don't want a repeat of the Fleur Davies incident again this mm. year. And the panicked so, um, McCormick trade-ins and all of that. Oh, yeah, it was it was Ooh. it was pretty dreary stuff. But yeah, definitely be sure to listen to that, and then I'll also be flicking that unedited space up on the podcast feed as well. So you'll get that on your phones if you're not on Twitter to listen to it. But we've got a whole bunch of content planned to come out before the season starts. So hopefully you'll have a pretty good knowledge base of who to pick, and then when we get into the season, we'll transition to the more strategic chat because. We just don't have time to do everything. <laughs> that is true. Uh, if you want to follow along with what we're putting out there, um, Liam, you're putting out some articles and whatnot. Uh, where's the best place for people to engage with you? Best place to engage with me is on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy and check out uh, DT Talk for my two AFLW Fantasy download articles. There might be another article up next week just with a quick rapid fire how to create a team as quickly as you can article. But then also you'll see my captain's thoughts there throughout the season as well. Captain's calls are back. How good. And you can find me on Insta and Twitter as HiMelD. And you can find the pod <laughs> on Twitter and Insta <laughs> at FreeKickWPod. Stick around. Lots more to come before the game starts. Yeah, super exciting. See ya. Bye.